left fielders. Welcome to the Passive Investing from Left Field podcast. Our community is focused on networking and education to help people invest passively and think differently. Let's go. I decided to set my goals a little bigger and get really clear on a few things in my business. And it was more hypothetical at the time, like what would happen if? And I just put my head down and for one year, I just plowed forward. And in 2012, January of 2012, I had made history in franchise consulting. So I had built the largest franchise consulting business in the history of my industry. Since you are here listening to this podcast, there's a good chance you're investing with a group of people. Whether you're investing with family or friends or like-minded people in the left field investors community, group investing is a strategy that can get you into more deals, help you diversify, and go beyond what you can achieve by yourself. Before TribeVest came along, it was difficult to overcome all the hurdles associated with group investing. It was basically a strategy reserved for the wealthy. Not anymore. Now, TribeVest helps your group with everything from incorporation, collaboration, banking, and equity management tools all in a single place, so you can focus on building wealth with the people you know, like, and trust. I'm using TribeVest for all five, now six, of my investor tribes. It's a game changer. Check them out at TribeVest.com. You are listening to the Passive Investing from Left Field podcast, powered by TribeVest. The mission of Left Field Investors is to build a community of like-minded individuals interested in creating financial freedom through passively investing in real assets that generate real cash flow. In this podcast, Jim Piper will interview passive investors, syndicators, and others who will share their journey with a focus on helping the passive real estate investor learn and become part of the left field community. This is Paul Shannon from Red Hawk Real Estate, and you're listening to the Passive Investing from Left Field podcast. I'm really excited today to have Kim Daly with us. She's a franchise consultant through her firm, The Daily Coach, where she has 20 years of experience helping people through the process of exploring and investing in franchise businesses. She's also the host of the podcast, Create Wealth Through Franchising. We're really excited to have her. Kim, welcome to the Passive Investing from Left Field podcast. Thank you, Jim. I am super excited to be here. I think we have mutual audiences, I'll say. (laughs) I agree. I'm excited about this one as well. I've always kind of looked and thought about franchises. I never pulled the trigger, but as you know, Ryan Steig, one of our uh, left field investor founders did so, and and he's doing great with your help. And so that's kind of what got us started on wanting to have you on the podcast and learn more about franchises. But before we dig into that, you know, we always start with your journey, your financial journey. How did you get to be a franchise coach? What's your financial past? How did you get there? If you could just tell us the story, that'd be great. Yeah, because it's not super obvious how I became a franchise <laughs> consultant. It's not like you grow up and say, oh, yeah, like, yeah, said right. nobody ever. But I actually was on my way to medical school, Jim. I answered a classified ad in the newspaper, so it might give away my age. And it was for a franchise company. My dad had been an entrepreneur, so I had some exposure to the lifestyle of entrepreneurs. Anyway, when I worked for that franchise company, it's not the one I'm part of today. I just knew that I had found like my homeland. I grew up wanting to help people. That's why I wanted to go to medical school. I found an industry of entrepreneurs where people help people. People are living their dreams, realizing their dreams. 
And I was like, okay, so I love franchising. So what did I do? I went out and I became an entrepreneur. Right. <laughs> so, go figure. The easiest people to kind of quote sell on the idea of a franchise are former entrepreneurs. <laughs> <laughs> so when you've done it all on your own, you realize the benefit to having somebody else figure out a little bit of it for you. But I did that for five years and then I came back to the idea of, all right, this entrepreneurship thing is, it's pretty lonely, right? It's mostly that there's nobody beside you that can help you figure out your problems, right? You're just making it up as you go. And, and I got tired of that. So after five years, I said, all right, I'm going back to franchising. That's when I stumbled upon what I'm doing now today. It's been 20 years this is the greatest business in the world. I swear I was born for this role. I'm blessed to help so many people uh, like Ryan and so many others. So that's how I became a franchise consultant. Well, why you say it's the greatest business in the world? I mean, I love hearing that. And you're obviously you can feel the excitement coming from you when you're talking about this stuff. And, you know, that's the kind of person you want as your coach or your assistant to get you into it as someone who's super passionate about that. I, I absolutely love that. But what makes the franchise business so great? So it's two answers. So for the listener out there, I'll say that why my business is perfect for me. So the greatest job I ever had was being a personal trainer. So that's why I decided to go to medical school. I'm like, oh, I want to work with athletes. I'm going to go get a medical degree. I minored in sports and nutrition and sports nutrition. And I loved coaching people through a process that changed their life. Well, after I had been an entrepreneur and I clearly saw the value in what a good franchisor could offer you, I was like, okay, I'm going to get to coach people through a process that changes their life. Only instead of talking about fitness, we're going to be talking about business ownership, which is something I'm intimately you know, aware of and have tried my on my own and now really see the value. And here's the thing, Jim. So I'm like a franchisee of a company called Fran Choice. So I'm supported by a corporate office. I pay royalties. So I'm just not over here saying, oh yeah, go be a franchisee. I walk my talk every day as a franchise owner for 20 years. So I clearly understand the value of the partnership, the culture, having other franchisees, we, we're called consultants, other consultants around me that have over the years sharpened me, taught me, cried with me, celebrated with me. And that's really the benefit. So for the listener out there, when you're thinking about like diversifying your portfolio, you've thought about owning a business, maybe you don't have a good idea. Maybe you've tried being an entrepreneur like him and you're like, that is hard. I don't have the time or the energy or the money to do that. So you, you come to someone like me and I can very quickly gather the data that I need focused on outcomes. Like what do you want to achieve through the business. I didn't grow up saying I wanted to be a franchise consultant. I wanted to help people. So that's what I'm focused on with candidates is what are you trying to accomplish? Are you an empire builder? Are you looking to buy yourself a job somewhere in the middle, right? Do you want to build a legacy for your kids? Do you want to build a business and sell it in seven years? So all of these different questions that I would ask a candidate help me with my knowledge of what franchises are out there and what franchisors are looking for full-time owners versus semi-absentee owners versus, you know, somebody that wants to build and sell versus somebody that wants to build and hold. I have all that information so you don't have to do it. Right. So I can very quickly bring you to the right companies and then teach you how to explore. And I do all that for free. And can you talk about those companies? Because, you know, I go through a drive-through every now and again, and half the time it's a young kid 
taking my order. And the other half of the time, it's someone older who clearly is like the manager or maybe the, the owner of the franchise. I don't want anything to do with uh, being a fast food guy. You know, I see it. So I know there's other things. So this isn't just fast food. What, what are our options? I love it, Jim. So exactly. The vast majority of people out there do not know all of the options. Another reason I have a business and a really fun one. Like, I mean, I lead people to, I just helped a chemist buy a roofing company. Like seriously, <laughs> he's a Yale graduate. His parents are going to be so proud of him, right? right? <laughs> he has a Yale MBA and he just said yes to a roofing franchise because it's not about roofing. There were characteristics in his model that led me to, you know, the roofing industry, but it's not about the widget. It's about what that business is going to create for him and the role that he will play as an owner. So franchising covers like I think over 80 different industries at any one time. There are over three or four thousand franchise opportunities out there. I am one of America's top franchise consultants, brag a little bit. I help a lot of people. And I mean, I've probably placed less than a dozen people into food. Like you're going to have to beg me if you want me to show you food. <laughs> but I love sexy, fun things like day spas and fitness and things that for an active investor who like a, an active person who is into those things is excited to own a business that they're the ideal customer for. But I equally love things like roofing or mattresses or, you know, landscaping or pool cleaning or things that are like, really, that's a franchise? Like, yeah, there are franchises for like everything. And the idea is that in the franchise, Jim, the idea is that the franchisor has identified a clear customer avatar. And they've created a marketing plan. That's what franchises are. They're marketing systems, you know, whether it's sales and networking or actual advertising. And then some franchisors have call centers. So some franchisors will do the marketing for you, get your phone to ring and then answer your phone. Therefore, you don't need an office. You don't need an admin person. You know, this would allow you to be a more semi-absentee owner keeping a job or having other investments or businesses and managing this with more part-time hours because the franchisor is driving the business side. And then other franchises say, here's our marketing plan. Here's how we find our customer. Here's who that our customer is. And then we're going to train you and coach you and support you to go out and build that marketing plan locally for yourself. So a big part of this is you helping guide you know, someone like me or someone like Ryan to find the right franchise, right? So I assume the chemist didn't know much about roofing. And I'm going to assume, I know Ryan pretty well, but I don't see him as, you know, heading to the Pilates studio every day. So how do you figure out what the right thing is for each person? Because is it something that, hey, I have a passion for fitness, so I want to go do a fitness studio? Or could it be, I know nothing about fitness, but I want to run a business and fitness is a good franchise, so I go with that. How do you pick that? Is it is it, you could do either, like you want to be interested in it or you don't have to be interested in the actual underlying business? Yeah, it's an awesome question and it, more of a philosophical question. But first of all, <laughs> if there is a picture of Ryan Stieg on like a, a Pilates reformer, I want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Love it. And so a couple of things I'll say. So first off, you do not have to have industry experience or prior knowledge about a business to go on to become rookie of the year or the most successful franchisee in a system. Like if the franchisor needs you to have experience, they will say it. Most of the time they say, we're not looking for widget masters, Kim. 
right? If you're a handyman running a handyman business, how do you scale that business to a five or $10 million business if you're trying to work every job? You don't. We don't need you to be the handyman. We need you to maybe be like interested in construction and have some familiarity so that you're comfortable you know, managing contractors, but we don't need you doing the physical labor work, right? If you're a mechanic, if you're a, if you own a Supercuts, if you own a Massage Envy, if you own the Pilates studio, right? You're hiring, you're creating teams of people, you're the leader of the organization, you're working on it while your team works in it. Now, not always. There are some franchisors that are looking for what I like to call chuck in the truck, you know, the guy who wants a simple operation, he wants to directly know his customers, he's not looking to manage a big team of people, maybe he did all of that in his corporate life, or he looks at the managing people as a really big headache, and he prefers to be a one-man band, or just him and a couple of people. So it's these characteristics that I'm bringing out of people, and then matching the opportunity to that when I come back with the ideas, but you do not have to have experience. And the second point of your question is, I am not an advocate of helping you buy a hobby. So I love fitness. I think, oh, I'd love to own the gym, but you know what? When I broke off and became an entrepreneur, that's what I did. The reason I got out of it is my own love for fitness and and passion for that started to wane because it's all good when your business is profitable and life is good, right? But when you're struggling, and let's be real, at some point, if you're a business owner, it's going to get really real, (laughs) right? You know, and now the place that I go to escape, the gym, you know, to to de-stress, all of my stress is wrapped up in it. Right. So I say, leave your hobby as your hobby, invest in a business, because at the end of the day, a business is that, right? You're going to be passionate about the business. This is what I say. Entrepreneurs are in love with their business and they need to be because they're inventors, they're creators. They're bringing a story to life. They've got to get people to buy into that story. Franchisees are in love with what their business affords, which is money and quality of life. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of things I'm going to get passionate about if it's making me the kind of money that's buying me the quality of life that I want and the free time or the flexibility, however that quality of life is defined. There's a lot of things I could probably get passionate about. Right. And so our community is made up of passive investors, right? We're, we're thinking about, you know, building wealth so we can ditch the W-2 or make the W-2 optional. So yeah. I don't want to run a franchise where I'm sitting at the drive-thru every day, you know, passing out burgers. And I know that's not what you do, but are there different levels of participation? How passive can this get? And there's got to be some that are more passive than others as far as the business types. Absolutely, Jim. And that's, again, why I have a business. So I can lead you to those franchisors. So some franchisors want you to be full time. You're the investor. No one's going to care as much as you. No one's going to build it like you are. At least in the beginning, we want you full time. But if you come to me and say, look, I've got, you know, 15 to 20 hours a week around my W-2 job for the first six months or so, I'm willing to roll up my sleeves because I'm trying to get to this outcome. I'm trying to get to where if I can see the business can can recover my W-2, I'm going to pink slip the W-2 and jump into the business. But then I say, look, if the business is running through a manager and people, you're not going to quit your job and then go run in your business. That's like trading one for the other. That's dumb. Now, when you leave your W-2 job because your business has created a financial outcome for you, 
now you have more options. Maybe you take that business to the next level. Maybe you come back to the Daily Coach. We find you the next business and you form an umbrella company. And now you have multiple units of one franchise and then you add on another franchise. I mean, that's that's that empire builder mentality. And like in in real estate, the wealth is created through scale, right? It's not about one rooftop. It's multiple rooftops. The same thing in franchising. But the scale can be through people through trucks and equipment or through real estate. It doesn't always have to be that brick and mortar location. But so I, to answer your question, I know which businesses are looking for semi-absentee owners and which ones are looking for full-time. And I mean, really almost any business, if you think about it, can be run semi-absent. And I'll put it back on you, the listener, the owner. If you are a strong enough leader Hire that key person who is you when you're at your job or somewhere else and leave can leave your business in their hands. And that's the big question. Like if you're a micromanager, right, people will be like, oh, I bought this semi-absentee business, but it's not semi-absentee. It's like, well, how much of that is on your personality and your inability to leave it alone? Because it's your nest egg that's invested. Right. Right. So how let's say I'm going to buy a Pilates studio, right? And I'm working with you. Are you helping me find the person to hire so I can go and be passive and they can manage it? Is the franchise helping me? How do you how do I staff it? What's the support? Is the support coming from you, from the franchise or from both? Can you talk a little bit about that process? Yep. So I'm the guide. I'm like the Sherpa (laughs) on the path to saying yes or no to a franchise. I am not giving any specific information about any franchise, right? So I'm just helping gather, you know, your data, presenting you the options and then helping you know, like, oh, these are the people you should be talking to. This is what you should be focused on. Outside lending, if you're looking for, you know, funding for your franchise, I'm that resource. The specific question of like, how much support does this franchise or offer me and finding the right employee that comes from each specific franchise. And and the answer to the question, Jim, is it depends on the franchise, really. Some franchisors are right in it. They're like, we will hire your manager for you if you let us. And then others are like, this is who we want you to hire. These are the tools that are out there to help you find that person. And then they leave it to you to do it. And there's, you know what, there's a different investor for each person, each franchise, because some people don't like the franchise or having so much control, right? They're like, it's my business. I want to hire who I want to hire. And then other people feel that, oh, they're going to do it for me. And that's what gives them the confidence that they dare to move forward and invest in the franchise. So again, this is why I have a business to identify the kind of investor you are and match you with people. Because ultimately, when you invest in a franchise, that's what you're buying. We're not buying widgets. We're buying people and toolboxes. So it's all about the leadership, the vision, their financial capability to build this brand, and then the tools that they've created, marketing, training, and technology that help you say, I know nothing about this business today, but look what they've done with these other 100 locations. You meet some of those owners and you say, oh, those people sound just like me. They're living the life that I'm trying to get to. And you start to connect the dots between where you want to end up and what this business can afford you. So we've talked about, you know, we don't want to go into restaurants necessarily, Pilates, roofing, and handymen. What are some other examples of franchises that you would recommend or that you do recommend or that you're aware about? And then kind of a side question is, 
what is the absolute most passive type of franchise that, that someone could own? If I, if I really just want to be as passive as possible. Okay, so the first part of that question is there, again, there are franchises in so many different industries from pet services to home services, like anything in the home from inside, like in full bathroom and kitchen remodels to flooring companies, window treatment companies, painting companies, handyman services, building decks, repairing roofs, you know, to the outside, the landscaping, outdoor lighting, pool cleaning, like think of like during COVID, how many new pools, I swear to God, (laughs) pools and puppies were like the biggest explosion during COVID. So think (laughs) of all the services like the dog pooping, picking up dog poop, like fences for the yard for those dogs in those pools, pool cleaning companies. So there's so many mosquito spraying, because if you're going to use that pool at night, you got to kill the mosquitoes. Ancillary services that go with just those two industries that exploded in 2020. Then there are B2B companies. So there are property management companies that go into businesses, big commercial buildings and say, we'll do, we'll, we'll polish your marble floors, keep your windows clean, plow your, you know, your property in the winter, keep your lights on. There's HVAC companies, there's security companies that do keyless entry for government buildings, banks, federal buildings. These are franchises. There's cost cutting franchises where you can walk into a business owner and say, hey, would you like to save money? I'm a cost-cutting expert, and you're not actually a cost-cutting expert, but through the back end of your franchise, you are a cost-cutting expert. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there are, this morning I was talking about a, um, there's a franchise that repairs the drill that the dentists use in your mouth. <laughs> That's all they do is repair medical devices and specifically dentistry tools. It's a franchise. How is it a franchise? Because there's a marketing plan. There's a system for repairing the tool or maybe a national vendor that's giving, you know, great pricing to the franchisees. And then the franchisee is like the perfect person for that would be someone who was maybe in medical device or pharma sales, like but now wants to do it for themselves. And over time, get out of the actual selling, managing doctors and dentists and and people who go in and they're not doing the handy work. They're building the relationships. So there's kids services you know, karate, huge, I had a huge run with karate during COVID, you know, outsourced physical education. A lot of schools are cutting physical education and music and art. There are franchises that go in and offer physical education, music, art. Those are three separate franchises. There's tutoring. There's even day schools. Have, are you getting the point? There are there's like so many different franchises. And it's, I will ask for like, the low hanging fruit on your tree. Like, are you into fitness or do you love kids or do you love seniors? All the businesses that cater to our aging population. Do you love dogs looking for those kind of nuggets? So there can be some connection to the widget, but mostly it's about me getting to know the person and then connecting them with my relationships with franchisors and feeling like if I put these two people together, there's going to be magic like that. Yale graduate that invested in the chemist who invested in roofing. It was because when I met him, I said, I know exactly who I want you to meet in franchising. And he ended up going through the process and came back from that, what we call discovery day, which is where you get to go to the corporate office. It's the last thing you do. That's where the franchisor gets to meet you face to face. You get to meet them. You get awarded the opportunity to move forward. And he said to me, these people are going to be teaching franchising to Harvard students one day. 
And I said to him, this is exactly now you're seeing the world as I saw it on day one when I met you. So it has nothing to do with roofing and everything to do with the people and their vision and their tools for targeting the the roofing industry and his buy-in into that vision. Hey, left fielders, this is Julian McClurkin. When I'm not on the court with the Harlem Globetrotters, I'm the chief storyteller for TribeVest. Now, you might be thinking, why would TribeVest hire a Globetrotter? (laughs) Well, through my travels around the world, I've met so many amazing people and heard their incredible stories. And it's no different at TribeVest. My job is to share the stories of people investing together as a group, as a tribe. TribeVest allows groups to pool their capital, set up their LLCs and bank accounts, help with operating agreements, funding rounds, and so much more. Whether you're investing with other dads from your kid's preschool class or getting into real estate syndications with people around the country like LFI infielder Brian Pawnell, TribeVest helps them all make it happen. If you want to hear more about stories about TribeVest's customers, just check out TribeVest's YouTube channel. And if you're already ready to start investing as a group, head on over to TribeVest.com today. And so how much does it cost? And I know this probably varies widely, but how much is a typical franchise going to cost me? And how long typically until I'm making some money? Okay. So let me, you know what? I didn't answer your other question about how passive can passive be. So, and this will help me also answer that question. So there are businesses. So a business is never going to be truly passive, right? Unless you hire like somebody who you give equity to, right? And you really trust the person, then you can be passive, but a business needs a leader. So even in something as what I would call super hands-off, like a laundromat, which is a franchise. I do a lot of laundromats with my real estate investors. It's still going to require like five hours a week or so by you or somebody to go in and collect your coins from the machine. Right. <laughs> right? Make sure that all the equipment is working. I mean, this isn't hard work. We have a franchise that's the best way to describe it is sort of like being the landlord of Imagine if you were the landlord of a strip mall gym and let's say that you had 10 buildings, 10, you know, in the strip mall and all of your tenants were business owners. So this is like a really big capital outlay because you got to build like you're building this building from scratch, let's say, or maybe you're taking over better yet. You're taking over a strip mall and then redesigning each of your 10 units to fit your tenants. But then you could be fully rented before you even take over ownership of the property from the bank, right? So you, you kind of quote open cash flow even or cash flow positive. There's a franchise that that is pretty much that business. Wow. So you're the landlord to tenants who are business owners, long-term renters. You're collecting rent, which you real estate people know how to do. And is it absent? No. Is there a set schedule for an owner? No. Like So what are you doing? Making sure your tenants are happy, just like you do when you are in residential real estate. So... To answer your question, a good franchise consultant will never make earnings claims. So I'm not going to tell you how much it's going to cost to open anything or how much it's, how much money you can make and by when. That's not my job. But I will gather the data from people that you're looking for because, again, there are businesses that are looking for that guy that's happy doing a half a million dollars a year, netting 100 grand, working 40 hours a week. 
And there are franchisors that are looking for that empire builder that they're going to help you build a seven figure grossing business in the first 12 months. You're not, you know, you're going to be working 20 to 30 hours managing a manager and they want you within five years to have at least a $5 million business. So these are two different mentalities, two different investors, right? So it's my job. And that's why franchisors pay me. That's why it's free. Because I'm doing all of this pre-qualifying work and mindset work with the candidates. So by the time they get to that franchisor, they are, they're highly focused on the options in front of them. And that franchisor has a you know, faster ability to make a connection and see if this person is right for their business. Yeah, that, that makes sense. So then what are the risks to the franchisee? What am I getting myself into? And how many failures have you seen and what, what caused someone to fail? Okay, awesome question. Yeah, people are like, if franchising's so great, Kim, then why do franchises <laughs> fail? Which right. is basically the question you're asking. So the risk is, you know, that you, there's two risks. The number one risk from my perspective with the franchisors that I work with, which are in many cases people I've been with for 20 years. So when we get together, it's sort of like a college reunion. I mean, these are my friends. These are like family people to me. So these franchisors are not going bankrupt. They're not screwing people over. They have your best interest at heart, which is why you use a consultant and don't go look at Entrepreneur 500 and try to pick a company on your own that you have no bearing of like, are these people real? Like in every industry, right? There are good companies to play with and not so good companies to play with. So I'm how you figure that out. So the failure question is really then it's not about franchisors failing, but that's a risk. If you're looking at a franchise and, you know, you have no context for their background in franchising and how financially solvent they are. And, you know, when a company becomes a franchise, you're now in a whole new industry. So you need experience. If you want to build the next big American brand, you need experience leadership. You need people who've built a franchise before and you need money. Like building any business, it takes money to make money. So those things are critical. So if a franchisor is young and pioneering and has a great story, but doesn't have experienced leadership, doesn't have enough money, like that business, in my opinion, is a startup statistic in the making, which is what, 90% failure rate before five years. The stabilizing point of a franchise gym is about 100 units. So the pioneering companies that come to Franchoice, the company I'm part of, you know, we, we can help them get to 100 units in 12 months. That's 30 investors who all move forward with three territories or three units. That's nothing. That's easy, right? So we can get them to that stabilizing point fairly quickly. They got to get them open, but we can help them get at least attract the right investors. So really the failure question and the equation that I'm looking at is it's on you, the investor. So I know the franchisor knows our plan works. The question is, can you work the plan? Are you coachable? Can you follow somebody else's lead? Are you properly capitalized, right? Can you show up every day to your dream and be accountable, right? So if you already are an investor, a lot of those questions are probably like, yes, 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 right? (laughs) Versus like a W-2 employee who's never invested in anything. And there's more risk, I think, if this is their first big investment, Um, which is why I love working with real estate investors, because you're already in the right mindset. You already understand the accountability. You understand that the more you put in, the more you're going to get out. But that doesn't mean time, right? And it also doesn't mean money. It means like energy and focus and clarity, right? Yeah. So what are some of the mistakes you see 
franchisees, franchise investors make that might cause them trouble, you know, making a profit or, or might make them exit earlier than they, than they otherwise would have? Yeah. So I think I've already said it. It's going rogue. So like, oh, well, the franchise were supposed to do it that way. But uh, I think I have a better way. I mean, why are you paying fees to a company if you're not going to do what they suggest to do? And at least, and I'm not saying like just roll over and go, okay, you said to do it, so I'm going to do it. You can question, you can to understand, to have context for maybe they've tried it the way that you think is better. And maybe they have a better, like, we already know that doesn't work and here's why, right? right. And the time to do that really is before you say yes. <laughs> After you've said yes to the franchise, I mean, hopefully you kind of, you know, check your ego at the door and say, look, I'm going to follow your lead. That's why I'm paying you for your processes not to go reinvent the wheel. So that's probably the biggest thing is just people realizing I'm not as coachable as I thought I was. Right. And right. that's hard if you're an experienced investor. Right. Or you're very accomplished in your professional career. And that really begs the whole conversation of like that goes right to the heart of that conversation of it's almost better to buy a franchise in an industry you know nothing about because the more you know, right? Like how coachable are you going to be? Like, I love to think I'm coachable, but like I, I pay a personal trainer and I was a personal trainer. If my personal trainer was sitting beside me, he'd be like, he'd be behind me going, there's no, she's not coachable. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of days when I'm like, why are we doing that? You know, and he's right. like, just shut up and do it. You're paying me. So that's that, Jim. And then, you know, also money, just not, not having enough financial capability, the franchisor is going to, you know, want to see your, you know, what you have financially and make sure that they don't award you a franchise that you can't afford. But how you spend that money is on you, right? It's being responsible. And so I'd say it's money and just not following the process. But where I want all of my candidates to get to before you say yes. So my process is about one to two months. I work with people about six weeks. I'm really good at getting people confident to a yes. If you're going to figure out that franchising is not for you, you're probably going to figure that out in my process within about two weeks. And again, that's just 20 years of experience and understanding how to sort of front load the process so that you take yourself out and don't waste, you know, six weeks of your life to say, oh my God, this isn't the right thing for me. So I can have you to that confident yes, about one to two months. And then it's just a matter of like you, you know, showing up and doing what you said you would do in due diligence, right? And that's the success formula. And I want my candidates by the time they get there to really feel like it's more irrational that they would fail than that they will succeed. The level to which they succeed will depend on them. And during the process, so I share a lot of my own experiences. So I was eight years an average performing consultant in my franchise. And then in 2011, I decided to set my goals a little bigger and get really clear on a few things in my business. And it was more hypothetical at the time, like what would happen if? And I just put my head down. And for one year, I just plowed forward. And in 2012, January of 2012, I had made history in franchise consulting. So I had built the largest franchise consulting business in the history of my industry. <laughs> so that's awesome, right? Wow. And you're like, okay, yeah. well, I don't want to be a one-hit wonder. So like, what did I actually <laughs> do, right? Because now everybody's looking at me like, oh, especially there's a lot of men, you know, and they're like, this girl just beat us. So right. now everybody's like coming after me. 
So I really had to study all of my numbers, you know, and really analyze what by focusing on that one thing, what did I really do? Well, it's been that that was back in 2012. It's been 10, 10 years. I say that, you know, the first year of business ownership for me, it was eight years is sort of like foundation. And then once you get the foundation, you're going to spend the rest of your life as a business owner mastering the art. And that's what I've been doing for the last 10 years, mastering the science of my business, which is really an art. And I share those principles with my candidates so that you can avoid eight years. Right. <laughs> now, sometimes gym experience is the only teacher. You got to just go do it your heart the hardest way before you go. Ugh. But if I can help you, that's what my daily coaching. That's what I'm bringing to the table to my candidates on the back end. It's not just showing you companies and teaching you how to investigate. It's teaching you how to be a history maker in your franchise. Like that's my sweetest spot. Ryan Stieg will tell you, like, I want to inspire the biggest dreams in every single person. If someone says to me, yeah, I'm okay making 50 grand a year. I'm like, fine with that. But I'm just smiling ear to ear. Cause I'm like, I'm going to blow that out of the water. <laughs> it's not big enough, but you're thinking too small, right? It's as easy to make a million dollars as it is to make 50,000 when you know the formula. So let's go for the million, right? right. So that's the attitude and the mindset that I bring to my candidates. And, you know, whether they buy into it or not, I always say, look, this is free advice. <laughs> you're not paying me for this. So if you're like, go fly a kite, Kim, I'm not offended. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we're most, our group is mostly, as I said, passive investors in real estate. And so when we look at a, a deal, we start first with a sponsor and we evaluate them and we vet them. And then we look at the deal and analyze that. So I'm trying to figure out like, how do I... And I know you do this, vet the sponsor, but how do I vet the sponsor for myself, meaning the franchisor, to know that they're the right match for me? I know you take us through the process, but as a first-time investor, how do I get the courage to make this leap and know, yeah, you know what, I'm now a Pilates guy. How do I, how do I get there? I love it. So part of it is that I'm not just going to bring you one or two companies. So I'm going to bring three to five so that we can compare and contrast. So I say, when I come back with my companies, I call this a courtship leading to a marriage and it starts with a blind date. And so we have some fun dusting off your dating skills. And I say, look, you can't say no. You just got to go. You told me you're trying to find a partner. I'm setting you up for some blind dates. Don't prejudge based on the name of the company. Because what you do as an investor in that company is different than your assumption about that widget in the marketplace as a consumer, right? So we, and we, and ultimately we have to understand like, it's not just about like who the customer is, but how many customers do I need to make the kind of money? You don't need everybody, right? People are like, oh, it's so saturated. It's like, yeah, but you don't need everybody. What if you go in and you find out with 50 people, you have a million dollar business. Are you really worried that there's 20 competitors around you? You know, if you don't believe you can get 50 clients, then that's a, a bigger problem, right? There's that, you need some competitive spirit. But so, I mean, so really we're comparing in the beginning. How does it feel? And then from there, it's just coaching. I start teaching you on what to focus on in the legal documentation. We're actually, as part of the process, Jim, we're going to interview other franchise owners. So one of the greatest parts about investing in a franchise is the validation from all the other people who've already dove off this diving board, right? And they're going to validate to you that that safety net is there, right? That they're happy knowing what they know now, they would 100% do it again. They're reinvesting money to open multiple units or, hey, yeah, you know, I got out of the gate a little bit slow, but 
you know, dummy me, I was trying to do it my own way. And then I started doing it the franchisor's way. And this is what happened. And the candidates are going to be able to hear those stories. And what happens, Jim, is you find alignment. You find people that are telling your story. <laughs> and you're like, wow, these people sound just like me. And that's when you start to get the confidence. And by completing the entire process, going all the way to discovery day, that's when you have enough information to say yes or no. The tendency is I find people trying to rush that yes. And the only thing they want to say is no. I'm like, yeah, because you don't have enough information to say yes. Let the process unfold. There's no rush to the altar, right? So we'll get there in due time. Again, it's only one to two months. We're not going to be here for six months. There's about four to six steps, and it's about one per week. And we check them and we move on to the next one. And the story starts to build. The fun part about what I do for people is as you're ready to do breakup work, I do that for you. So you never have to let anybody down because oftentimes candidates will carry two brands all the way to the end. And then they feel bad. This person's invested so much time with me. And, you know, they can tell that the franchisor is fully bought in. They, I don't want to let anybody down. I'm like, don't even worry about it. It's a numbers game for them to some extent. They're going to be heartbroken because they love you. But... <laughs> They know they're going to get another lead from Kim Daly. I'm going to break up with them for you. You get to keep moving forward. So it's more by comparison. And maybe if you interview Ryan about, you know, the three to five companies that he looked at and when, when in his process did he realize that Exponential Fitness was his partner? And he may have a, a perspective that kind of more clearly answers that question for you. But it really does come through the process. And if it doesn't, that's fine, too. Because this isn't about pushing everybody to a yes. It's about exploring. You don't know unless you're willing to ask some questions, right? Investing in a franchise is the logical thing to do when you've asked enough of the right questions, and I'm going to teach you what the right questions are, and you're satisfied with enough of the answers. Nothing's perfect. You're never going to love every single thing about the business, right? Same thing with any real estate deal, right? There's yeah. always going to be parts where you're like, but... It's like the majority of what I'm trying to, to accomplish can be done here. And that's when you say yes. And timing, the timing has to be right. That's a great explanation there. And then what are some franchises better in specific markets than others? Does it matter where I live? Like if I'm stuck in Montana, does that mean the only thing I can do is Pilates? <laughs> I just, I say that that's a joke for Ryan, but you know, does it matter where I live? Are there different franchises, different places that do better in some than others? I love that. So there are franchises that are going to work better in a more, you know, a bigger city, bigger demographic. But that's all the work that I do. So the three to five brands that I bring to candidates have already been, I've already checked the territory to make sure it's viable, it's open, because I don't want you traveling 30 minutes to an open territory because somebody else already bought your backyard. So the answer to that is yes, but all of that would be done before. So franchises, there are franchises that work in small markets. There are franchises that work in big markets. But the vast majority of franchises work in any market. It is in most, in my, in my opinion, it's a limiting belief that many candidates will put on their investigation to say, even some of my own candidates, oh, that doesn't work in my backyard. You know, and they may not buy it. It's not the right investment for them. But maybe a year later, they'll, oh, wow, that's here. Somebody else saw that it was the right investment for them. Okay. And then there's a lot of changes going on in the economy, interest rates, inflation, all of that. 
is franchising starting a franchise now is that a good idea is it the perfect time is it a horrible time what what do you think about matching the timing of buying a franchise with what's going on in the economy I love that question, Jim. And a long time ago, when I first got into franchising, one of my first mentors in the business taught me that in good times and bad, franchise industry grows. What people invest in and their motivations for investing will change. But at the end of the, at the, end of the day, they invest. Having been a franchise consultant now for 20 years and through 08, 09, 10, and that's really when my business first took off, and then through the pandemic, and now my business has continued to grow. I've just completed my best six months ever in the first six months of 2022 in 20 years. So the answer to that is it's always a good time. If you're ready, let's go. Like if you want to make it about the economy, then chances are, whether it's a recession or not, you're going to use that as the limiting belief to not move forward. And that's okay. I'm not going to make you wrong for it. But there's, you know, you may, we may shift like in the pandemic, we saw the shift happen from, you know, big brick and mortar retail things to home services, right? Because now we're all home and a lot of home services were like in demand now, right? renovating our spaces, creating offices, all the stuff that goes along with that, right? As I already mentioned, pools and puppies and all the stuff that goes along with that. So what people were investing in in the pandemic switched a little bit in some cases, not all, in some cases, but they were still investing. So, and what I mean by like your motivations may change. So in a good economy, people are wealth building. They want to bigger piece of that American pie. And they're, they're looking to, you know, invest for those reasons in a bad economy. They fear losing their job. They feel the instability. They want to feel control. They turn to business ownership to say, I can do this for myself. So their motivations may be different, but they still invest. Last question on franchising. I've created a successful franchise. I'm a few years in, I decide, you know what, I'm done. Can I sell my franchise? What's the exit? Love it. I coach every candidate to the exit. I believe that businesses are built to be sold. Now, sometimes people are legacy builders and they are trying to build something to pass on to their kids. But I say, look, let the legacy to your kids be the role model, right? The way the dinner conversation changes because now you're a business owner and the things you're talking about, you know, you're not talking about salary and benefits, right? You're talking about earnings, you know, wages or, you know, employees and your ROI on your business and let that lifestyle that you're showing to your kids be the legacy so that they want to go own their own business instead of work for somebody else. But yes, you can 100% sell this business. It's your entity. Franchising is controlled by the Federal Trade Commission and all franchise businesses must produce what's called a franchise disclosure document. So this is a federally mandated document that I will coach you through. It's sort of like, I call it the prenup to the marriage. <laughs> so we're not gonna focus on the prenup until we find a marriage that we're kind of leaning into. But inside this franchise disclosure document, there's a whole section on how you sell your business, what you're obligated to do to the franchisor, but how you can sell it. You can sell it for any multiple that you can get, and, you know, there are certain industries that have been known to get very substantial multiples upon exit. And private equity loves established franchises. If you're in a, a space like, let's say, senior care or automotive, 
you know, and let's say, let's go to senior care and let's say that you've built, you know, over seven, eight years, a really substantial $5 million a year, you know, business where caregivers are going into the home, delivering medical and non-medical care to our aging parents and grandparents. That's a really substantial business that a private equity company in a medical space with all those caregivers on staff and all the pro- protocols and procedures in place would probably come in and pay you some multiple to go away. So again, by knowing what the investor wants to accomplish up front, that's my job, where are we going with this business? Then I can lead you to those industries that I know, okay, you want to build and sell? It's more of a rocket ship in seven years versus you want more 10 to 15 year sustainability, right? We may not be talking about fitness. We may be talking about roofing or mattresses. Excellent. I have, a right, new well, mattress. I have a new mattress business. I'm obsessed with it. That's hilarious. <laughs> well, yeah. this has been fascinating. I've always wanted to talk about franchises, so I really appreciate you being on the podcast. But the last question I usually ask is, what, what's a great podcast that you listen to? You cannot use Create Wealth Through Franchising because that's your own podcast. We'll put that in the notes. But what's another one you like to listen to? So like, I'm, I'm sure like you and many of your investors, I listen to a ton of real estate investing shows. I don't want to like, you know, lead your people down down the rabbit hole away from yours. But I love Breakaway Wealth. Uh, Jim Oliver, he's Breakaway Wealth. He's actually become my personal mentor. I in, got involved in infinite banking through Jim and his team. I've learned a ton. I've also learned a ton and been offered some great opportunities to invest with Chris Larson. His podcast is called Next Level Income. Chris and I have become great friends. I'm involved in real estate syndication through him for the first time. Many of his clients have come to me to buy, diversify and become franchise owners. So those are a couple of my favorite podcasts. Well, that's excellent. Thanks for sharing that. And then how can listeners get in touch with you if they want to contact you? What's the best way to do that? Okay, so I do have a podcast, as Jim mentioned. It's called Create Wealth Through Franchise. You can find that on Spotify and Apple, but you can also find my podcast on my YouTube channel. And I am infinitely excited about and and super passionate about my YouTube channel, which is my name, Kim Daly, D-A-L-Y dot TV. So please check out my YouTube channel. I have over 300 videos on all things franchising, business ownership, mindset coaching. I even have interviews with franchisors and their franchisees. So you can learn so much right there on kimdaily.tv. Excellent. I will put that all in the show notes. And again, thank you so much for being here. This was really interesting. And, you know, it's a little bit out in left field from what we normally do, but that, that's why we're here, right? We're left fielders and that's what we do. So thank you very much. It was a pleasure. My pleasure, Jim. Thank you. We would like to introduce one of our trusted partners, Ashcroft Capital, to the left field investors community. At Ashcroft, they focus on capital preservation while still having upside potential through their value-add funds. They are proud to announce their second fund, the Ashcroft Value-Add Fund 2, is now open to investors. The Ashcroft Value-Add Fund 2 has been created with one singular purpose in mind, to reduce risk to investors. The Ashcroft Value-Add Fund 2 will continue to use the same conservative business plan Ashcroft was founded with, acquiring quality multifamily assets and offering value-add opportunity in strong performing markets throughout the country. To learn more about Ashcroft Capital's investment criteria or about the markets and properties they are targeting, 
please download their latest AVAF2 Frequently Asked Questions Guide at ashcroftcapital.com slash leftfield. That's ashcroftcapital.com slash leftfield. I really enjoyed that conversation with Kim. She is totally passionate about franchising, and that's the kind of person you want working for you. If you're looking to invest in a franchise, you want someone who is so passionate about helping people and about franchises that they're going to fit you with the right one. And, you know, some of the things she said, it's about what the business does for you, not what business it actually is. So it doesn't necessarily have to be something you know about or something that you're interested in. It can be something that you're going to manage and you're going to hire others to help you. So you really have to think outside of the box. And that's one of the things that Kim helps you with is trying to figure out, okay, what's the best situation for you? And then once you are in the franchise and you own it, you want to be working on the business and then hire your team who's going to be working in the business. And I think that's the way to make this more passive. And she was very open. This isn't completely passive. This isn't like what we do in a normal real estate syndication where you do a little bit of work up front and then you invest your money and then you just collect, right? You're going to have to be at minimum working five, 10 hours a week on this business. And, you know, but there's opportunity there. There, There's a lot of, I couldn't believe all the franchise opportunities she was talking about. You know, now you look every different business possibly could be a franchise so she can help you find ones and find a fit and it might surprise you what you end up with but i think the key to all of this for me is if you're doing something like this that is new and seems scary to have a sherpa right to have someone who's so passionate to guide you through it whether it's kim or somebody else i don't know but kim certainly has that passion and certainly has helped a lot of people and you know, has helped someone in our community, Ryan, get started. And that's uh, that's a great place, as we talk about a lot, trust transfers. And he's had a good experience. And so if this is something you're into, I recommend you talk to Kim and maybe another franchise consultant as well to make sure that you find a good match. Because I think the key to being successful in opening a franchise would be finding someone, an expert, who can help you along the way. That's exactly what we do in this community. We find people that can help us learn about new sponsors, learn about new asset classes, get into new deals. It's no different here. Finding trusted partners and finding a community is the key to financial success. That is the one thing I'm pretty certain of. And I think if you're going to start looking for franchises, Kim Daly is a great place to start. That's it for today in the left field. Thanks for hanging out in left field with us today. If you're interested in becoming a left fielder, you can find us on the World Wide Web at www.leftfieldinvestors.com or you can send me an email, jim at leftfieldinvestors.com. Thank you for listening to the Passive Investing from Left Field podcast. If you enjoy the show, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and rate and review the show. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing said on the show should be considered financial advice. Before making any decisions, consult a professional. This show is copyrighted by Passive Investing from Left Field and Left Field Investors. Written permissions must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting. <laughs>